The Elk Talk podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org. Welcome to the Elk Talk podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson, presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The goal is what little you and I know about elk hunting, we share with people. I've got an elk building. It's like 120 yards away. What do I do? First off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk being 120 yards away to call anybody on a cell phone. <laughs> All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us having conversations. So we usually go down some rabbit holes. But if you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit holes. We're just going to make this up as we go. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target-rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a big group. We record everything, so there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we hit the record I button? I forgot to hit the record <laughs> button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts wow. where they might learn something? <laughs> morning, Corey. Good morning. How are you? Uh, you know, I'd have to be you to be any better, but <laughs> I'll I'll settle for a close second. Uh, it must be early trade show season then. You haven't uh, had a chance to collect all the crud that goes around and get sick and... You know, it's it's been remarkable. I uh, I've been to the Wild Sheep Show in Reno for five days, and then I did uh, the Shot Show in Vegas last week for five days, and I've yet to get sick. Knock Man, on wood. Knock on wood. Yeah. Of course, but you haven't I'm, been eating any pizza from an alley, have you? No, I, I have uh, I have disavowed pizza after last February's event in Portland, but uh, <laughs> I I leave this afternoon to Seattle. There's a, a sports show in Puyallup. Uh, I'm going there, and I'm going to meet with some of the guys who are kind of fighting the battles, if you want to call that, uh, you know, over in Washington. Uh, I'm going to meet up with some of them. Anyone who can help them out, please do so. But uh, I'm hoping I don't get the, the crud I... I was on the on video calls this week with two companies that were doing follow-ups after the SHOT Show. We'd met at the SHOT Show. They said, well, let's do a video call on Monday or Tuesday because everyone's so busy. I'm like, okay. Both groups, the entire team has some sort of SHOT Show crud. Yeah. Uh, I call it the Shanghai chicken flu, but that that's <laughs> something that goes way back in my family. Whenever you got sick, you'd say, I oh, got the Shanghai chicken flu. But <laughs> after COVID, I've had to kind of pull that one back. Yeah, a I, little predictory I, there. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't I don't want to make light of, you know, a lot of the problems that came with COVID. So uh, I, I said it a few times during COVID and my wife would kick me under the table. Like, would you <laughs> shut up? Well, I, I, look, I'm a, I'm a bumpkin from a small little logging town and we have sayings like that. And you don't even, it, it, the saying itself is a metaphor for you got something that is, you, you picked up from a stranger is yeah. really what it means. And you don't know what it is. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, you go to the doctor and they're like, well, here, take some of this and you call me in two weeks if you're still alive. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the extent of what they can do for you. <laughs> so, but I, uh, yeah, I got about, let's see, I got Seattle, Portland, Bend, South Dakota, Minnesota, uh, Missoula. How many was that? I got five or six more weeks of, wow. of, uh, coughing up phlegm and shaking hands with people who probably didn't wash after they went to the bathroom. <laughs> they coughed up phlegm on their hands and yeah. then shake your um, hand. Yep. Not that that has anything to do with elk hunting, but... Yeah, uh, it kind of does, but... Does it? You yeah, know, today, I, I, I hope you got your Wyoming application in because today is the day. Today is, but, and unfortunately, the people listening to this, it's not today for them. No. It's coming, come and gone. So you've missed the Wyoming application deadline if you're uh, if you're hearing this and didn't put in. Yeah. So but you'll the good news is you can become a point buyer in yeah. uh, July. So yeah, still got time to get a point. Yeah, I did a, a video uh, a couple uh, released last week about information you need to know that maybe you're overlooking, and I used. Wyoming is one of the examples. Uh, Wyoming, in last year, 18.5% of the people who hold points actually applied for a tag. Yeah. The other 81.5% just bought another point. And uh, for me, I use that kind of data to determine what the, not what point creep will be, but how it's going to accelerate over time. Uh, they've got, two years worth of applicants in Wyoming, almost three years worth of non-resident applicants who have double digit points. So I use that stuff to tell me, you know what, Randy, look at these hunts that are the zero to three point hunts, because yeah. that's, that's all you're ever going to get. Yep. And, but you know what? In doing that, every once in a while, I get to go to Wyoming elk hunt. Totally. And it's, it's not the, the greatest hunt in the world but it's a ton of fun and i got an elk tag in my pocket so yeah. i think the uh, days of zero to three point hunts might be uh over in wyoming it could be yeah it definitely could be or the other thing i do is i i sort it by what are the best odds in the random draw and i know that i know i don't have enough points it's like all right i just got to look at the random portion of the draw as almost like an idaho draw yeah yeah oh, oh well it's yeah. too late for people who are who are hearing this now. That train well, we left got, us. We got quite a few emails off of our last podcast where we talked about Wyoming. And, you know, I think you've mentioned several times, don't be a point buyer. Don't be a point buyer. You know, burn those points. And, and quite a few people on all sorts of different ends of the spectrum have emailed saying, what do you mean don't be a point buyer? I've got points in nine states and I'm a point buyer. I guess you don't like me. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, it's we not say we don't like you. We're saying don't just accumulate points and wait 20 years to see what happens. Things yeah. are going to change. So have a plan. And if your plan is, hey, I need five points for this hunt, then yeah, be a point buyer. But right. don't just buy points and think that things are going to get better or easier to draw in the future. Yeah, and I went through uh, my own application history. When I jumped into Colorado uh, in 1995, I was three points behind the unit and the tag I wanted <laughs> in 1995. In 2016, 21 years later, 
I was two points behind. So over the course of 20 years, I'd made up one point. Well, and you got in <laughs> in 1995. Yeah. Me. I got in in 2001, and the hunt that I wanted to draw took seven points to draw. And I thought, well, in seven years, we'll be able to draw maybe 10 years. And I burned my elk points two years ago in Colorado, and I think I had 17 points. And I was still about 10 years away from drawing the tag that I had started putting in for in 2001. So yeah, it became completely unobtainable. Yeah. So that's, that's where I, when I say that thing, don't be a point buyer. If it doesn't fit your calendar and you, you know, some people are like, look, I got family, business, it's going to be 10 years before I can go. Okay. I get it. Yeah. You, you want to be a point buyer then. My, when, when I kind of caution against it are those people who they could have drawn in the regular draw Wyoming last year and they had the time, they had the budget and they said, nah, nah, I'll just buy another point. Well, now with the big fee increase in the special draw, so many people are going to go over to the regular draw or possibly it every one of these changes devalues your point so when i say don't be a point buyer i probably should add the caveat if you have the time money and desire to go hunting this year go hunting go, this don't year. don't don't be a point buyer go and burn them because you never know when these things are going to change i'm I'm sitting here almost in trepidation of what's going to come out of these Colorado committees that are meeting. It's like, and that's good. Yeah, there's going to be pain. Like, you know, it's going to be painful for non-resident hunters because that's yeah. all that's left. That's all that's left to take. And we've been given so much in Colorado for so long as a non-resident that yeah. something's got to change and it's, it's going to. And you just look at, like you said, all these states that make changes, once they implement a point system, when they start yeah. making changes, all it's going to do is devalue your points. It will never right. be like, oh my goodness, they just doubled my points. And now, <laughs> now I get a, you know, I get a better tag than I ever hoped I'd have. That's never going to be the case. It's always going to be, I've got five points and I used to be able to get hunt A. Now my five points are only worth hunt B. And yep. so I think what Randy is saying is if you have enough points to draw a quality hunt right now, draw that quality hunt right now because tomorrow you're probably not going to have enough points to draw that quality hunt and you're going to have to settle for something less. Yeah. I, I always tell people when they ask me, what do you really mean by that? Well, if I give you the option, I'll give you a thousand dollars today or I'll give you a thousand dollars in 20 years. Take it today. Which would you prefer? <laughs> and they're like, well, I want it today. I'm like, that's my point. Yep. <laughs> so, but, uh, no, it's, it's just interesting and all this stuff. And it just keeps coming back to, you know, we got resident populations growing in these states. So I expect changes to come as residents want more of, you know, Colorado has had a 70% population increase since 1990. Yeah. You guys in Idaho, I, I checked it the other day because Marcus and I were doing a piece on this. You guys are almost a hundred percent population increase since 1990. Yeah. What are you guys doing? You paying people to move to Idaho or something? Oh, we're trying. We advertise about how good the elk hunting is. The wolves aren't affecting elk at all. I mean, if you're going to move somewhere, you might as well move to Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's the yeah. that's the advertising campaign. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it's just, I mean, you know, we're, it doesn't take much to double the population when, when the population is small to begin yeah. with. But then, yeah. uh, you know, a conservative state with pretty liberal mm-hmm. hunting opportunities. And I think a yeah. lot of people are leaving liberal states with pretty conservative hunting opportunities. And this is a pretty mm-hmm. good, you know, I think Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, we've all kind of experienced pretty good growth. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how we can change the tide of that in Montana, but you know, I, I, I'm part of the problem. I moved here 33 years ago, so yeah. I really can't complain about people moving to Montana. That's right. You know? But uh, when I came here, the guy at the U-Haul was happy that I brought a U-Haul to town because everyone else was leaving <laughs> town, and he was out of U-Haul trailers to rent out. So. <laughs> I, afterwards, I said, well, you, sh- you guys should have let me rent this for free then. That's and, right. Uh, but now it's just the opposite. But anyhow, uh, Arizona's coming up. Yeah. I, I think I think this podcast is going to drop the day before the Arizona deadline. Yeah. So, what is it, February 6th deadline? Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone in Arizona, the, the IT department is listening to this, I have my license purchase and my credit card on auto renew for my license purchase. So I won't ever forget because I don't want to lose my loyalty point, but there's no place I can find. I I spent all weekend digging around their system, trying to figure out how I update my auto renew preference. And uh, I I think once you check auto renew, (laughs) they just lock it up. Like, There he is. Yep. Auto renew forever. So uh, I can guarantee you Arizona system is going to crash. Has it, has it ever not crashed I don't on think the last so. day? But they always seem to extend it by a day or a week or yeah. just, uh, I, I don't know, maybe it's just a marketing campaign of, hey, our system crashed, so you guys get an extra day just to, <laughs> just to pull in all the people who forgot. Yeah, yeah maybe that's it. But, uh, well, I... Uh, I got foolish and I applied for a late archery tag in November as my first choice. Hmm. I don't, Good don't ask you. me why I, well, I, I struggle. Why? To, <laughs> why? Well, because you've heard me talk about wanting to go on a late archery hunt in Arizona once I burn all my points. And so you're doing it out of the kindness of your heart to go and scout for me. Is that what I'm doing? I didn't realize well, that. You, yeah. I mean, maybe unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Mostly I just, I'm a fool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I, I mean, if I can't, if I struggle to fill an archery elk tag in late September, how in the heck am I going to do it in November? <laughs> but it sounds like a ton of fun. Well, so, you know, there's, I think the, the draw for me would be getting out of snow and negative temperatures in November <laughs> in the mountains and going to Arizona where the temperatures are a little bit more mild and being able to continue yeah. to chase elk. All right, folks, application season's pretty much over, and I hope you have that tag in your pocket. Corey and I use GoHunt's Insider and GoHunt Store, all the GoHunt tools for a lot of things in what we call planning and research season. And this summer, we're going to be out there doing that e-scouting with the terrain analysis tool. We're going to be buying stuff out of that world-class gear shop. The one stop for hunters is GoHunt.com. If you are like us, you have that day, you got this hunt you got to plan for, go out to GoHunt.com 
Use promo code ELKTALK. And when you do that, they're going to put $50 of credit in your gear shop. GoHunt.com. Promo code ELKTALK. And know that this is the one stop that you need as a hunter. The Elk Talk podcast is also brought to you by Mountain Ops, making outdoor energy and performance nutrition to make you a stronger and healthier elk hunter. They have a full line of hunting-related supplements, including meal replacement shakes, multivitamins, pre-workout fuel, and post-workout recovery, and my favorite, their new performance protein bars that, by the way, are packed with 270 calories and 20 grams of protein, but contain less than 6 grams of sugar. Visit mountainops.com to learn more and to order, and be sure to use the promo code ELKTALK to save on your next order. Yeah. Hey, did you see the one email we got from the guy whose buddy, uh, his grandpa or uncle or dad or somebody shot an albino elk? Yeah. And uh, he donated it. it down. Yeah. So everyone listening, if, uh, if you know of an albino elk that uh, it sounds like he got it mounted and he donated it to a museum and then the museum closed and somehow. I don't know where it's at. Yeah. So if, if you know where there's a, a mysterious albino elk that nobody really shot or, or well, no one knows who shot it, get a hold of us at the Elk Talk podcast because we'll put you in touch with this guy who's, whose family's been looking for it since the. <laughs> <laughs> since a long the, time. Uh, yeah, the, the and that's in Montana that. where he where yeah. it was shot and supposedly in a in a museum in what do you say Livingston, Montana? Yeah, I think it was. I think Livingston. it was. Yeah. yeah, and then it was sold from yeah. that museum, and nobody has knowledge of where it is or who has it. Yeah. So anyhow, that's uh, that's one of the the more interesting emails we well not I mean it was, <laughs> it's interesting we we get some really interesting uh emails let's just put it that way yeah um, so uh a bunch of stuff about uh non-residents getting the hammer put to them yep i i wish that wasn't the case but so what are you uh, what are you talking about with people in washington what's i, mean, oh, they, I think we're they aware got, of this the stacked yeah. deck against the hunters in washington but specifically what's going on Oh, there's all kinds of things going on there. Those poor people there. Their governor stacked their nine-member commission with six of his, his I'm going to call them campaign donors. I don't know if they're donors, but, you know, in the, the world of politics anymore, it seems like to the victor go the spoils, the old term there, that uh, now appointments to seats like wildlife commissions are becoming part of the political plums that you hand out if you're the winner. And so they've come up with a a policy. You know, it, it started with them declining to renew the spring bear season in Washington. And uh, what the the big thing is right now is they are trying to adopt a new uh, management policy that de-emphasizes hunting in other words you know some of the comments that a few of these commissioners have made has been like whoa if that doesn't get your attention uh it's it it should get your attention but anyhow they're they're trying to deal with all these things coming through their commission that is just 
really detrimental to the future of what hunting is going to be in Washington. And uh, I know a lot of people say, well, that doesn't affect me. I live in Montana, right? I I hear that all the time from people. Well, I don't really, you know, it's not my problem. Well, it is our problem because if things hit the crapper in Washington worse than they already are, guess where those people go? Yeah. Either they move or they hunt somewhere else. Uh, They, you know, none of this happens in like a vacuum. It's uh, just... Always has a trickle, a a minimum, a trickle effect around it. But I think it's also sets a precedence for states that, you know, you politics should not be involved in managing wildlife and hunting. And unfortunately, it's becoming more and more prevalent. And all it takes is one bad election. And pretty soon your state is in the same situation. Yeah. So Dane and, and a few of those guys out there, uh, I'm hoping to connect with them. Uh, they know that I'm, I'm there and they have a, an Instagram page called conservation coalition of Washington, but it, they do have a coalition and, uh, I wish they had more followers. I wish that they were able to reach more people because they, they are doing some amazing things for what a small army of, of people they have. There, there are guys in Washington who are pretty much quitting their jobs or at least making this their second job. Maybe that's a better way to say it. To go to these hearings, to go to their legislature, to go meet with people. Uh, and I just, whatever I can do to support them or help them or encourage them, uh, I want to do that because uh, they're they're kind of between them and Colorado, they're sort of ground zero for a lot of this stuff. And yeah, uh, I I hope anyone listening and people who don't live in Washington understand what's at stake here. Uh, the group that is funding this and and working on all of this and trying to take advantage of these political appointments is based out of New Mexico. Uh, they've put together their little. Uh, I guess you could call it a front, uh, a shell entity that is backed by all of the big national and international anti-hunting groups. That's really what they are. And so funding is not an issue for them. You know, legal expertise is not an issue for them. They, they've pooled all their resources and, uh, they're, they're going after it in Washington and Colorado. So, uh, when I was at Shot Show last week, uh, the Elk Foundation hosted a, an open house and symposium about what's going on in Colorado with uh, the, they call it uh, the group that is doing the ballot initiative in Colorado calls it Cats Aren't Trophies, Cat <laughs> something. And that's what they call it. it it's really an anti-hunting uh, ballot initiative. And they're trying to say just mountain lions, bobcats, and lynx. Well, there's no place in the lower 48 you can even hunt length. So I'm not sure where that's coming in. But the when you read it, read the the language of their ballot initiative, right? There's always the, the title that is a one sentence that explains it on the ballot, you know, when yeah. you hit the yes or no bubble. But then you got to go read the whole language of what it really does. What it really does is it identifies, it, it, it tries to use the term trophy hunting. And it, it makes reference to cats and other stuff. But what about wild sheep? You know, 
I don't know too many wild sheep hunters that leave the horns laying out in the hills. Yeah. I don't know too many elk hunters who leave that the horns, the antlers laying out in the hills. And so I'm fully convinced that if this passes in Colorado, uh, it's not just not lions. Just and, yeah. and, and so, you know, it, the, the, the struggle with these things, and we, we can use the Oregon, I think it was 2020, maybe 2022, Oregon had that ballot initiative about that crazy gun control yep. legislation. And a bunch of people who who were involved in that went and did the autopsy on what the voting percentages were. And the people who you would think would be inclined to vote to kill a gun control ballot, you know, mostly rural people, people who voted a certain way on the rest of their ballot uh, or historically had voted but didn't vote that year. The voter turnout for the the folks who could have defeated that ballot initiative was way lower than the urban progressive, whatever you want to call it, you know, person who did show up. They showed up. Our side didn't. Uh, You look at the Wolf ballot initiative 2020 down in Colorado, and that lost by uh, 51 something to 48.7 or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was... And again, if just a small percentage of people would have showed up, it would have turned the tide. So uh, the Colorado thing is coming. Uh, They're out gathering signatures. We found out yesterday that what the language is going to be, everything. There's been a lot of arguing and fighting. Uh, The term trophy did get removed from the title of the ballot initiative, but it's still you know, buried down there in the language. Uh, so now there's be, this is it in Colorado. I mean, if I, I don't care if you hunt in Colorado or don't hunt in Colorado, I don't care if you're a resident or a non-resident, you should be concerned about this thing in Colorado. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've met with Dan and, uh, uh, some of them who are down in Colorado, just working on, it. I think it's called, Coloradans for Responsive Wildlife Management is the group. Uh, they have a new website. I think it's called Save the Haunt. Uh, now that we know a lot of this stuff, uh, maybe we'll have Dan on the podcast uh, to get the word out. But I, I, I don't want to be one of those guys who yells fire every day. You know, every day there's a new fire because there are, there are little fires, (laughs) but if ever there was a big fire for the future of wildlife management and the models that we use that has hunting as a large funding source, has hunting as one of the tools to, to get people in the, in the woods, provide them with this amazing protein, this food, this, If ever it's in grave danger, it's in Colorado in November of 2024. And I I hope every non-resident who ever applied in Colorado, and this is what I'm trying to work on, I did the math over the weekend. There's 192,000 non-residents who either own points in Colorado or apply in Colorado. They, they, behind the scenes, when you ask the experts, they don't want to put a number out there, but I'll throw a number out there because I've asked enough people. The PR campaign to fight this in the Denver, Colorado Springs, Fort Collins, that Rocky Mountain front area, 
to buy the media and do what you need to do is going to cost three to five million bucks Man. if we want to win. And I, we're, you know, we're, we got to win. I mean, and you look at politics and it's all about money. Who spends the most money? Hmm? Who spends the most time getting the message out there? And that's the one that sticks in people's minds. Yeah. So I'm going to challenge or ask everybody, and I know I'm going to do more than what I'm asking here, but I'm open to everybody who applies in Colorado, every non-resident who applies in Colorado this year, whether you're applying or buying a tag, that you'll donate $20 to citizen or Coloradans for responsible wildlife management because they are a 501c4 not a C3, a C4. So they can engage in the politics. They can engage in the battle. This is the kind of groups we need to sprout up in all states. And they were the ones who just with a very small budget just about beat the Wolf Initiative in 2020. So I hope that if you got enough money to apply in Colorado and apply across the West, that you can throw 20 bucks in the pot. Because if you do the math, if 192,000 something non-residents all put in 20 bucks, that's $3.8 million. You know how much media that would buy in the, in the front range area? A lot. And if, if we're really serious about protecting what, what is near and dear to us and, hopefully stop at an early stage this group that is now emerged and they've pooled all their resources uh they're already licking their chops they think they're going to win in colorado but the polling shows that it's it's up for grabs uh but those groups are licking their chops are already looking at arizona new mexico and nevada yep so just so everyone knows it's save the hunt colorado.com there's okay. a support button on there that says donate here and it's yep. super clean and simple. You can go there and it says, I want to give one time $20. You click on it, fill out your information and make the donation. Yeah. And so. just so everyone understands the scope of this, their video sportsman's call to action on November of 23 on YouTube they have 28 subscribers and 153 views. Yeah. That's, so they, uh, they're going to need some help getting the word out and some help on the yeah. financial side as well. So, yeah. So I hope anybody listening, you're going to hear a lot about this from me and on my platforms. They've just stood th- this webpage. They just stood it up at shot show last week. Uh, so, uh, you're going to hear an awful lot about this because I, I, I feel it is one of the issues of our time, Corey. Yep. And I, I just think what I've been the beneficiary of in my entire life of hunting has been so many people before me who put this infrastructure in place, put these systems in place. And I've been blessed beyond any, any reasonable expectation with the quality and the opportunity of hunting in my lifetime. And these kind of attacks here, I think are not just a slow erosion of that. It's like, it's an avalanche. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And 
So you'll wake up I, one day and there won't be any mountain lion or bobcat hunting in Colorado. And then you think, right. well, all right, I, I didn't really hunt them anyway. It doesn't affect uh, too many of us. And then the next year, no, the sheep tags aren't available this year. And then yep. the next year, it, I mean, it, it really, it, it's going to set a precedence for that, for the people who are trying to get this in place. Yeah. Like Randy said, they're not going to stop at Colorado. They aren't looking just at Colorado. Colorado is the place they think, hey, we passed it on the ballot to get wolves there. That's a huge thing. Now let's get rid of hunting mountain lions and bobcats, and then we can get rid of hunting other things. That's their whole agenda. Their yeah. agenda is to shut down hunting, period. And yeah. they they know that it's they aren't going to just go to the ballot and say, let's uh, vote. Should we be able to hunt? Yes or no in Colorado. That's not going to yeah. that's not going to pass. So they start taking it away piece by piece until pretty soon the puzzle's there and they hold all the pieces. Elk Talk Podcast is also brought to you by the University of Elk Hunting. The University of Elk Hunting was founded by Corey Jacobson. It is now part of the suite of courses out there at OutdoorClass.com. So if you want to sign up for the University of Elk Hunting and save some money, go out to OutdoorClass.com and use Elk Talk as your promo code and you'll get 20% off. But more importantly, you're going to get the University of Elk Hunting. You're going to get other courses from Outdoor Class taught by Corey Jacobson, Remy Warren, Randy Newberg, John Barclow, Hank Shaw, Jamie Teagan, and on and on and on. There you have it. Outdoorclass.com will get you the University of Elk Hunting. Just make sure you use promo code ELKTALK and save 20%. The Elk Talk podcast is brought to you by Yeti. Now that you've tagged your elk, the important task at hand is getting all that meat home and keeping it fresh. Whether from New Mexico to Montana or Arizona to Idaho, whether it's the 160 down to the 75, Yeti coolers are built to keep your meat cool and clean, no matter the temps, no matter the distance. We use them to make sure that our elk meat gets home in the best condition possible. Check them out at Yeti.com or go to your preferred Yeti retailer. Yeah. The encouraging part of the the open house and the informational thing they had at SHOT Show, as busy as that show is, and everybody's running around, it's like this anthill of activity. <laughs> uh, the Elk Foundation invited a lot of people there, and a lot of the big groups showed up. I, I remember running into folks from Boone and Crockett, from Wild Sheep, from some of the state-based organizations, uh, uh, ran into uh, Outdoor Life was there, Sports Field was there, and I, 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 and there were even more. I, it's just like real quickly in my head thinking, okay, this has people's attention. This is, this is all good. Let's, let's keep moving here. Uh, so, uh, the language got finalized this earlier this week and I hate to dwell on something that people are like, great, here we go again, more <laughs> politics, more blah, blah, blah. Well, I get it folks, but that's where they have successfully taken these debates from wildlife commissions where we used to show up and we'd win the debate and they've brought them to ballots and they've brought them to elected and appointed officials. So we can get frustrated and say, I, I, I'm here to hunt. I'm not here to involve myself in that stuff. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. But, you know. Your, your time to be here to hunt is limited if you don't get involved. Yeah. So I think uh, I talked to Dan, uh, the guy in charge of Coloradans for respo- responsible wildlife management, asked him if he'd have interest in being on our podcast. And he's like, you tell me when I'll be there. So. Uh, anyhow, that's what I get to do in all these shows. <laughs> you know, yeah. I I, uh, I enjoy it though. I mean, I don't enjoy the fact that we're having these kind of battles and stuff. But the platforms that we have, you know, you and I, and and the ones I have over on my side here, they can be useful in this, and that's what I intend to use them for. So, yep. But uh, I got you out doing anything other than. Uh, <laughs> coaching basketball these days uh we got home at one o'clock this morning from another road basketball game we've got a another road basketball game friday and one next wednesday and then a home game friday and then the district tournament starts so starting to wind down seeing light at the end of the tunnel so uh, the Wolves of Idaho are saying, boy, I hope Corey's team goes deep into the playoffs. They are. Yeah. Unfortunately for the Wolves, this winter has been terrible for trapping. I've had a few traps out locally just so that I can run and check during the day. And man, the snow conditions, it just, I put them out and get a little snow and sprinkle some snow on top of the traps and then it melts and either the traps are sitting there on bare ground or that freezes on top of them and a elephant could step on the snow and not break through it so <laughs> it's been tough i did uh I've, I've had a little bit of luck with coyotes but yeah. no wolves yet so far huh well i uh i haven't done that and i i probably won't get a chance to i'm i'm uh i, I don't know why i'm so busy like every year i tell my <laughs> wife i'm like Honey, I'm not going to travel as much this year. And she rolls her eyes. Like, yeah. Yeah, right. And then you just sure. rattled off what seven shows you're traveling to this spring. <laughs> yeah, we all believe you. <laughs> but, hey, you know, I we ended up missing our, our podcast over Christmas just because of scheduling and a bunch of stuff. And when I'm doing these shows in uh, Washington, so the one this week in Puyallup, the one in Portland next month, and the one in Bend, Redmond, Oregon uh, in March, one of my seminars is Marriage 101 for Elk Hunters. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You are just a glutton for punishment. So I don't know how they're going to turn out. But I do. I can tell you right now. Don't let really? your wife or my wife listen to them. <laughs> well, they, the the owners of the show are like, what would get more women to show up at, at a seminar? I'm like, well, talk about marriage advice. They're like, are you for real? I'm like, well, go listen to one of my podcasts. I told them about it. And uh, the one guy who handles all this part of it for the shows, he's like, would you be willing to do marriage advice for elk hunters? I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I've been married. I'm, it's going to be my 35th wedding anniversary here in two weeks. And I hunt 100 days a year. I got something figured out. But, <laughs> you uh, keep telling yourself you do. <laughs> yeah, I know. My, my wife is reminding me, you know, uh, what you got figured out is dependent upon me. Yeah, she, she's yeah. got it figured out. That's Yeah, so... Uh, Man. Anyhow, well, you're, uh, you're a brave man to stand up in front of a a live crowd and give marriage advice. Yeah, but anyhow, getting back to Christmas. <laughs> so 
uh, I have come, I've found out from some of our emails and some of the other stuff that Christmas is a pretty stressful time for couples. Uh, but you know, you got you feel like you got to buy gifts for everybody and whatever it is. I I don't really participate in that, but here's another one of my accomplishments, I think. So that's a a check, check mark to my marriage advice. This Christmas, my wife said, Kim, she, 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 she gets, I know something really profound is going to happen because she comes and sits on the couch next to me and acts like she's interested in what I'm doing. <laughs> really, she's about ready to lay down the law. And every listener, every guy listening knows what I'm talking about. And so are the women. They're like, oh yeah, I, I'm sure they're laughing because that's what they do too. They kind of pause and him and Han make small talk and then they just drop the big one on you. <laughs> well, we're sitting there and she says, you know, I think you really do work hard and think about what you try to buy me for Christmas. But a lot of times it's really not something that I I would have bought myself. It's the wrong size. It's the wrong color. And she has th- already has three of them or whatever. I'm like, well, honey, I'm, I, you're 100% right. I, I fret a lot about this. I, starting in about July, I start taking notes of everything you say that, oh, boy, I wish I had this or I wish I had that. And then I go and buy one of them, and I usually mess it up. She's like, how about if I just go buy my own Christmas present? Wow. And I'll, I'll tell you what, it, what it's going to be, and it'll be from you. I felt like I had just won the lottery or something. I, you know how much stress that took off the Christmas season? So, uh, any anyone listening here, try to make that deal among your spouses. You know, you, you really do care about what the other person gets. You're interested in trying to satisfy their their wants and needs, but we're guys and we're just not good at that, right? We didn't realize that... You know, whatever sweater probably was in style in 1984, but, <laughs> you know, or whatever, you know, we heard you say that you wanted a new KitchenAid power mixer drill lawnmower combination or something, but see, when we see, bought Randy, it. The problem here is you've been married for almost 35 years. Yeah. So I think your wife is at a point where she's like, look, we're at a point where if I'm going to get what I want, I need to go have this talk with me. (laughs) I don't don't think everyone else is necessarily. I think that there's a lot of women who still have hope that their husbands are going to figure out how to do this right. And they haven't completely given up on them yet which I think is where Kim is with you. She's like, all right, it's time to have the talk with Randy. You just deflated my balloon. You know, it's because you're going to get up in front of people on a live stage and give some of this advice. And I just want to make sure you're prepared for the actual response you might get from some of it. Because if there are women in the crowd listening to this marriage advice, they may not, you know, if somebody has been married for five years, they're looking at this going, what an idiot. No, go. You should know me well enough to go out and buy me what I want for Christmas and surprise me. And and they still have hope that we're going to be able to do that. See, I've been married for 20, it'll be 23 years this year. 
And I'm kind of in that middle ground where I think my wife still has a little bit of hope, but each year she gets a little bit more disappointed. And pretty soon she's probably going to have that talk with me. But we haven't had it yet, so I'm still trying. So she, Jennifer still has hope for you is what you're saying. She knows it's not going to work out, and I know it's not going to, you know, I'm not ever going to figure it out and be that that far ahead of the curve. But I think, you know, she's giving me a little bit of chance to see if I'll progress anymore. Huh. I newlywed. Not, they're they're like, oh, my husband's different. He's going to figure this out, and he's he's going to know exactly what to get me. And after the third vacuum cleaner and a power drill, she's going to be like, well, you know, maybe I need to lower my expectations. There's there's stages of this. There's huh. like full hope, and then there's lowered expectations, and then they get to the point where Kim's at, where it's like, uh, just let me towel. just let me buy my own gifts, Randy. That's really deflating, Corey, because I thought my years and years of trying and showing how hard I worked at this was what brought her to that point. But you're saying 34 years of failure is what brought her to that point. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to speak for Kim, but. <laughs> no, you're probably right now that you say it. You know, you, you, you maybe she didn't want that bow that I bought her. <laughs> Did you say bow or boat? Bow. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I I think she would be okay with a boat, not a bow. Yeah. Dang it. Corey, I'm going to have to redo my entire presentation for Saturday. Well, glad that you ran it by me first. Yeah, that'd been embarrassing for me to get up there and get on my big spiel and some woman raises her hand and say, "Uh, Randy, I hate to tell you this, but she just gave up on you. (laughs) because <laughs> uh, i did tell her you know one year i can't remember what year it was i said well you know if you want to we could just use our christmas money to apply for elk in wyoming together that of thing. course yeah. yeah as a party up that yeah. didn't go over very well so and in your I mind said, you're thinking look at me i'm time I'm, together yeah. yeah i'm planning a vacation hey, for us vacation. together yeah yeah so in her mind, uh, she's thinking who is this neanderthal yeah I, i'm sure so then i went back to the traditional things you know like washing machines and dishwashers <laughs> you know traditional. And, uh, <laughs> yeah that's traditional right <laughs> So I'm sure the audience is saying, Newberg, it's a miracle that you get to hunt 100 days a year. It absolutely is. Ah, you know, there, there, right. there's phases where you, you you first get married and it's like, what do you want for Christmas? Surprise me. And that's the that's a husband's worst yeah, like, that, fear. Surprise that, that me. Is, oh, no. You know, it's we, we don't have a clue. And that's when we start getting the vacuums and things like that. Then we learn, yeah. okay, that's not okay. Don't Don't buy a vacuum for birthdays. That's... Right. That's a bad message to send. Yeah. And then you get to a phase where your wife says, you don't have to get me anything. Oh, and that's her way of saying, you never get it right anyway. So don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't waste your time and our money getting me something I don't want. And then yeah. they get to the point where Kim got to and she's like, listen, I tell him not to get me anything. I tell him to surprise me and he still gets me something. And I'm surprised. All right. But not in the right way. Mm-hmm. So, we need to have a talk. <laughs> Randy, how about, you know, I'm not going to say don't buy me anything because I know you will. I'm not going to say surprise me because I know you will. And that's not what I really uh-huh. want. Not that kind of surprise. So why don't I just go and buy something and you can feel good because I got something I wanted 
I can say it's from you. And she's doing that for your benefit. Dang it, Corey. You you really have punched some holes in my boat here. Well, I'm I'm going home. Kim's driving me to the airport here in about three hours. I'm going to ask her. I bet she is. (laughs) I'm going to say, honey. Did you tell me that you were going to go buy your own Christmas present just because you've given up on me? And if she has to pause in answering that question before she laughs out loud, I will know the truth. Yep. I'll, I'll report back to you. How no, I, I, I hope you record it. I would love to play an audio bite of this conversation for our listeners. Uh, yeah, she, she occasionally gets bits and pieces of my marriage advice on this podcast and my Hunt Talk podcast. And she's like, you're kind of pushing the boundaries here. You know, you, you are tempting me to maybe retreat from that position or possibly, you know, <laughs> Pull one on you here. So <laughs> I, I, I might be out on some thin ice there, and I just don't know it. You and, are. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and, and Jennifer listens to the podcast, and I didn't realize that until she started bringing up some of the marriage advice that you were giving and I was agreeing mm. with. Mm. And, so you uh, got in trouble for what I, I got was in saying. trouble. Yeah. And so yeah. now she listens. And so I have to be really careful about giving actual marriage advice. So most of the marriage advice that I give is just a rebuttal of the marriage advice that you gave. Okay. Well, I've gotten in trouble so much for agreeing with what you say that now I have to kind of counter what you say to make it seem like I'm, uh, I'm giving good advice. Well, uh, I'm sorry about that. If I've, you don't have to agree (laughs) with anything I said, but so this has to do with elk hunting because one time I told Kim, I said, man, I drew a once in a lifetime elk tag in Nevada. She's like, oh, wow, great. All excited. Yeah, I'm going down, da, 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 da. Same year I draw Arizona. I'm like, you aren't going to believe this. I drew a once in a lifetime elk <laughs> tag in in Arizona this year. She's like, wait a second. How many lives you got, pal? Yeah. Uh, two once in a lifetime in a year. And I bet you... you Every third or fourth year from now, you'll tell me it was another once in a lifetime. And uh, so we kind of got started down the discussion. And at that point, I think I'd been married 15 or 16 years. And I'm like, all right, when it comes to hunting, I just need to keep my mouth shut. I, I never argue when it's close to the topic of elk hunting. Uh, and so I, I said, I'm not going to argue today. So we're, we're having a debate about what's once in a lifetime and what's fair and, you know, well, you know, it's going to cost and hey, we only have this much time, but, you know, all the normal things that are valid considerations, but I wouldn't say anything. And she says, I know what you're thinking. I'm like, you don't know what I'm thinking. Cause if I told her, I knew what I was thinking. Oh man. <laughs> then you, you knew get, what she was thinking. Yeah. I mean, then you if get you told her you know of, what you were thinking, that that's almost as bad. But if you say you yeah. know what she's thinking, that's yeah, right. that's not good. Yeah. So about five or six years later, she brings this. You know, women have a memory like an elephant, right? If you think <laughs> that a debate around hunting ends when you reconcile that afternoon or that evening, no, these are just like scabs to be picked someday. So someday down the road, I can't even remember what brought the topic up, but she's like, I remember what you said when you said you had those two once in a lifetime texts. I'm like, no, I told you I didn't want to have a discussion today. 
She said, but I know what you were thinking. So now what she thought I was thinking got converted to, I know what you said that day. So (laughs) I'm just warning you guys. Sometimes calling a truce or saying I'm not going to debate today or have a discussion, you get uh, what what she thinks you're thinking gets attributed to you as words you actually said, even though you didn't say a word. <laughs> so, yeah, but she was probably uh, right. That's probably what you well, were that's, thinking. <laughs> that's that's why I, I always end up with these chuckles when we end up in these kind of discussions because she's right ninety nine percent of the time. I'm, I must be that easy to read. Either she, I think women are just that smart. You know, I, it's it's absolutely dumbfounding to me that we have not had a woman president yet. They they, yeah. they can win. Uh, they win every debate. <laughs> Why does nobody want to debate Nikki Haley? Because she she's a pro. She's been debating with men since she's like ten. And winning every, she's got a hundred percent victory rate. I bet you. Anyhow, that—that's the reason that this. Here's what happens, right? You you look at the emails we got here in the last couple weeks. In application, there's two times we get a lot of emails about how do I breach this hunting season? (laughs) Hunting season. We get all these emails that have to do with relationship dynamics. So when we get a pile of them, I figure we've got to interject a little bit of that in the discussion. So I, I just, I think your best advice that I've ever heard you give when it comes to marriage is, yeah. do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Right. Peace, and I, not justice. I think that that, if you just apply that, that's that solves almost everything. It, it does. Unfortunately... It, it, Many of us still like to be right. And, yeah. and, and I'm learning very slowly, and Jennifer is probably going to listen to this, and she's probably going to burst out laughing out loud. But <laughs> I am learning slowly that even if I am right, like truly factually right, that doesn't mean that I'm right in that debate or that argument. Right. The context in which you have brought the fact forward might make you wrong. <laughs> the very fact that I brought the fact, the right forward, yes. makes yeah. me wrong sometimes. Right. So yeah. just accept it. Yeah. I know. It's so, tough, though. Yeah, you know, I don't know what that has to do with elk hunting, but hopefully all you who sent in your questions about budgets and family and being fair to the household and everything with your tag applications, uh, at least I... I Tried to bail you out of the Christmas dilemma, and then <laughs> I thought I had the solution. That one and backfired, then, and then Corey pulls the rug out from underneath me. But uh, yeah. what do you suppose is uh, is going to happen with this really dry and warmer winter that we've had? Man, I just I don't know. I I, I keep hoping that we're still going to get winter, and I keep thinking. Yeah, I, I can remember when I was young growing up in a logging community and my dad being a logger, there was always the January thaw. I just remember January, they always got laid off for at least a few weeks because it would warm up in January. Everything would get muddy and the loggers would get laid off. And then February would come and it'd freeze back up and we'd get a bunch more snow and they'd go back to work until, you know, April or so when it thawed out again. And so I keep thinking, man, that's going to happen. But I'm looking... Every week I look at the extended forecast and 
we're in the 40s here, which we typically don't get above freezing in January and February. And I mean, this morning I walked outside and it felt like t-shirt weather. It was clear sky, which you get a clear sky in January where we live. It's usually in the negatives. (laughs) And my window wasn't even, yeah, my window wasn't even frosted over this morning and it was sunny Mm -hmm. out. And so it's, I just, I don't know, but if it continues, we're, we're going to be hurting for water for sure. I mean, anywhere that's dependent on water is going to be hurting. (laughs) I think, uh, you know, it always opens up the risk of wildfire and forest fires and, and all that. So, I mean, the good news is we had a really rough winter last year and places like Wyoming and Colorado lost a lot of mule deer and antelope, especially. So a light winter is, is going to be a relief for them as far as survival yeah. goes. But I guess there's, there's still enough time left that hopefully we, uh, we get what we need. Yeah. Or I just hope it rains the entire month of March, April, and May. Yeah. That would be great. But yeah, that I looked at this fall, you know, because of all the moisture from the year before, it rained a lot last summer. It dampened the soils, everything else, kept things very, I guess, fire averse. Uh, and a lot of that fuel, though, I mean, it grew so much grass and brush and shrubs. A lot of that's still laying out there. Yeah. And it's, if we get a really dry year, as weird as this probably sounds, all that vegetation from the year before is going <laughs> to, it, it could be fuel for fires the next year. Yeah. So, and that's, fingers. I mean, there's so many things at play. You look at, oh, we had so much moisture and we had a late spring. Well, that just grows a whole bunch of vegetation. And then <laughs> if it gets hot and dry in, you know, July, August into September, that can be devastating for, for wildfire. So there's just, yeah. you know, I think it'd be better if we had uh, some all summer rains and a milder summer from a fire standpoint. Yeah. So regardless us, of what the spring was. I was talking about weather people. Right? I, 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 I was going to avoid that. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, at, I'm at the sheep show. I'm going to see if I can find this email here. I think her name was Amy. Uh, let me look and see. I'm at the sheep show and this lady comes up to me and says, boy, do we love the elk talk podcast? (laughs) And oh, by the way, I'm a meteorologist. Mm. I'm like, "Mm, okay, is that good or bad? She's like, no, I love your podcast. We listen to it all the time. In fact, she sent me, uh, uh, an email. Uh, with a cow elk she shot that is, they call it piebald, but it's the closest thing to albino. It doesn't have pink eyes, uh, but it's crazy close to albino. So she's like, you want to talk thermals? Let me tell you where thermals arise and how you predict them. But she went, I mean, she really gave me a lot of insight about (laughs) this. And then she got into... An overview of how modeling, I think she was trying to say, well, look, he's a guy, he's an accountant. I got to really dumb this down for him. She's polite enough not to say that, but that's a feeling I got because she seemed really, really smart. And she's like, you tell Corey, if you guys want to talk weather and thermals and stuff, I'm your person. She's from Idaho. Hmm. So if the audience wants to have a real 
weather person, a meteorologist with a master's in whatever you got to be to work for the National Weather Service or one of those big operations, uh, <laughs> and is an elk hunter. Maybe that's the person we have on the podcast, but I, I kind of felt like, uh-oh, I might have stuck my foot in my mouth here along the way. And she she was really good humored about it. She's like, yeah, everybody says they want to be a weather person, you know, and same comments you guys always make. And, uh, she, we, had, we had a lot of good laughs about it, but she did follow up with an email and said, if you guys ever want to talk about this stuff, I'm here to talk about it. So. I, when she started talking about how, what influences thermals, the timing of thermals, the intensity of thermals, all this stuff, I'm like, whoa, you need to do a video. <laughs> so, hey. No, we, uh, my, my wife actually listening to the couple times that we've talked about meteorologists. And I, I think you made a comment about, you know, it's the only job where you can be wrong more than half the time and still get a pay raise or something like that. Yeah. And my wife yeah. said, man, you guys were really hard on meteorologists. And I thought, well, I, I don't think we were that hard on meteorologists. We were just saying they never get the weather right. Like it's, yeah. you, you look at any 10-day forecast and they might yeah. get this afternoon and tomorrow morning close to right. But yeah. it's going to change. Like you look at, a, if you did a, if you did a, a time lapse of a 10-day forecast and showed what 10 days out from now, what the weather is, and then nine days, eight days each day, it changes drastically. So modeling weather is incredibly challenging and very, yeah. very hard to be accurate. So I think yeah. that's what we were trying to say, you know, in a humorous way, they never get it right. Like they right. don't predict weather, but the knowledge that a meteorologist has about thermals and about things like that, yeah, there's... I think we could all benefit from some of that information. Yeah. And she told me a story. They Right now she's just working on the East Coast, so she doesn't have a lot of time to come West and travel. So uh, I think they're on an, maybe they went with an outfitter, if I remember this story correctly. But she looked at her forecast and she said, you know what? Today's the only day there's going to be any visibility to hunt. So she told the, the outfitter or the guide, I'm shooting the first elk I see today. Because the rest of the hunt is going to be white out blizzard. There's going to be no visibility. And everyone's like, you know what? What are you talking about? She went out, shot the first elk she saw, sat around camp while everyone else mowing the blues that they were snowed in, <laughs> couldn't see anything, and no one else filled the tag. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there's something to be said there. So I'm <laughs> thinking maybe we we have to get her on a podcast this summer sometime. But it, yep. it also was a, a, an awakening for me that, Randy, and I have a lot of people listen to this podcast, you might want to think about what comes out of your mouth before it comes out of your mouth, you know? <laughs> Thankfully, she's, she's a, uh, a jovial, well, well-intentioned and, and uh, easygoing person, you know? If it was some guy, he might have come and hit me in the head or something. But, so, <laughs> oh, well. Uh, but you working out this winter? I am. Okay. And I I skipped my workout this morning so we could do this podcast, but I'm uh, really going to get it in this afternoon for sure. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a little slow going. I'm still nursing some neck issues from elk season and huh. working through those. But I just kind of decided that they're going to have to resolve themselves, and I'm going to work out. They're going to have to play second fiddle there but uh now i've got some tendonitis in my elbow that's making it a little difficult to 
lift weights. So dealing, dealing with that and putting ice on my elbow every night right now. So you're going to be like me someday. That's, I, I hope so. That's what I'm aspiring to, but. <laughs> uh, you know, How's a lot of workout people, stuff going. I, I, really good in a lot of ways, but then in some ways it's like, ooh, man, I don't know about this. Uh, you know, I've been doing the Mountain Tough workout, Dustin. They're right across the road from us here. And I, I got to admit, I told Dustin this. I'm like, look, I put all people who are into fitness and workouts and stuff in the same category as gym rats. And it's just not my style, right? I'm an accountant. I eat ice cream and I drive a desk for a living. So I, I just don't fit in. And so they were very polite and took the time to explain to me, well, Randy, we've known each other for however many years and you still don't know what we do. <laughs> well, I, I, I know it. I think I know what you do. Well, I didn't know what they did. So come to find out they do stuff. They create fitness workouts for guys like me. 59-year-old accountants who drove a desk too many miles. And uh, so I did the on-ramping for two weeks. And then I just wrapped up the four-week foundation workout. And uh, because my right arm is really giving me a lot of grief right now, uh, where I had all those problems last year, I'm going through the the foundation bodyweight workout, the four-week process again, the foundation one. And I got, I've scheduled to go see my ortho on February 6th. Uh, I don't think when you try to make a fish, your wrist should go boom, boom. <laughs> uh, and it's all swelling. But I know when it happened, it happened in November. I shot a deer in Montana and I'm trying to move it just a few feet to get a flatter spot to field dress it. And when I gave it a good tug, something in my wrist went boom. Ooh, that didn't, that wasn't smart. So now I this is how much of a fist I can make right now. Wow, that's not good. Yeah, that's no. not good. So, uh, but here's the great part about Mountain Tough. They're like, well, okay, our specialty is accommodating for whatever you might have that's an impairment. Because if everybody was in perfect condition, they wouldn't need us, right? Everyone's got something with a leg, a knee, a back, a neck. Uh, in my case, uh, an arm and wrist. And so that's what they specialize. It's not specializing, but that's what they're really good at. And so I feel really good. Uh, I've always done this thing where I get out of hunting season and just about the end of hunting season, I feel like I'm back to how I want to be. And then season's <laughs> over. And then it's the holidays. And then it's trade show season. And by the time it's all done, I've gained 8, 10, 12 pounds. I've ate crappy meals. I've not worked out. And I feel like I got to climb the hill all over again, starting in April. Yep. And, uh, and it's so. such a steep hill that, you know, and I credit my wife for, for making fun of me. Cause I would, same thing. I would wait until July and I would start getting ready for elk season. Whoa. You know, I'd start going to the gym and I'd hit the stair climber and I'd do all the great things. And you know, when you're in your early thirties, you can get away with that. But yeah. she would always laugh and be like, wouldn't it be easier just to work out? <laughs> year round like don't you don't have to work out as hard you just stay in shape maintain what you've got and yeah. uh, the older you get man when you get out of shape you you can get out of shape in two weeks yeah. and it seems like it takes three months to just yeah. get back to where you were let alone try to gain anything so yeah 
So that's what I'm doing. Uh, I know. Did, did they publish the podcast that they did with you? Uh, not not mine yet. I think uh, any day though. They said first part of February. So yeah, yeah that was published. a fun podcast. We did a podcast yeah. with Dustin and talked about mental toughness and how it relates to elk hunting and business and life in general. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I was surprised when it aired, the one I did with Dustin, because he's really into the mental toughness thing. And yeah. in, in, like you said, both business and everywhere else. I, was, I guess you and I, we do so many podcasts with other people that we're always trying to peel back the layers for them and get a little bit more of their life story that I, I didn't realize how few people had heard some of my life story events <laughs> until they listened to to that podcast with Dustin. I'm like, well, I thought everybody knew that. Uh, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know. Do, do they have a podcast or a promo code for you? Uh, no. What's yours? Oh, uh, if you promo code Randy, they said that uh, you get 30 days extra to your free trial. Wow. So, yeah. But, uh, you know. We do get quite a few emails from people saying they've tried using promo code Randy and it doesn't work. But I mean, the last one was at some camping RV place that they walked into trying to buy a a camp trailer or something. Like we tried it and they said they didn't have a promo code for Randy, but just about everywhere else does. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. But anyhow, uh, my, my point of bringing that up is I've always just used hiking as my my mechanism to get in shape but this year i you know one of my last dream hunts was to hunt mountain caribou in the yukon and because i'd been on restricted duty all summer because of my arm and my wrist i didn't really get to start hiking until late july or august so i went into this season in the worst shape i've ever been in and it wasn't that difficult of a season in terms of the hunts we had but after getting off the mountain in the Yukon and driving home, I got to thinking, you know what? You got to come up with a better strategy, Randy. You, if, if you want to get more out of your hunting days, however many are left, you got to put more into it. And so I just view this as an investment in both my health and my hunting. And uh, I'm feeling like, all right, I'm going to get there. I'm, I'm turning this corner where... It's a lot easier to just do it every day and stay on top of it. And yeah, I'll have those days where I wake up and feel like someone glued me to the mattress. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I had a muscle <laughs> to, to even ache right there. Uh, but it's it's turning out to be uh, very, very worthwhile. So, yep. No, and I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I deal with a lot of pain, a lot of inflammation. And so there's, it's hard to get into a habit and it's hard to start working out and get into a routine just because, man, it's one thing when you go and do it for two or three days and you have stiff and sore muscles and then you start getting into it. It's like, man, this feels good. I've got a, you know, a lifting high every day or a workout high or whatever it is. But man, when you wake up every single day with something aching and some sort of pain, that's not an injury. It's just, it's there. It's yeah. hard to. It's hard to do that. It's hard to keep going. But I think the more you work out, as long as there's not an injury, the the less impact those pains have and the stronger you are when you hit the hills. And it's 
it's not enjoyable to go and look at a mountain and stand at the <laughs> bottom and not be in shape and be like, I've got to climb to the top of that. You, you hate every step. Every step is painful. Yeah. Every time you fill your lungs with air, it hurts and you, you just don't enjoy it. When you work out consistently and get to that, yeah, there's still, you look at that mountain, you're like, well, this is a steep hill, but you can yeah. do it and you can do it with less pain and more enjoyment. And then, yeah. yeah, there's just so many benefits that I think that I, for me, I found that just a, a regular workout where I get up every single morning and I dedicate time every single morning to doing something that's going to improve my physical fitness has been yeah. very beneficial. Yeah. And you know, they're, they're, what I didn't know about their system is you do it all on an app on your phone. And that's what always had caused me to wonder about, a, you know, I never had a, a gym membership uh, because I, I'm never going to be at a gym, right? Like I just explained what my travel schedule is like and <laughs> has been for the last three weeks and will be for the next six weeks. I told them I need something where I can go and do this in a hotel room or, or wherever else. And they're like, well, yeah, that's, that's part of our, you know, what we do. Like really? So yeah, I when I was at Shot Show and Sheep Show and everywhere else, take my phone, set it up against the little wall there, and it's mostly body weight resistance. You know, you don't need barbells and machines and stuff. And yeah. uh I was really impressed. I had no idea that someone had realized there's fat old accountants with gray hair and bad backs that need a workout program. <laughs> <laughs> probably need it more than most yeah so there you have it that's that's what i've been doing but uh in the podcast with with dustin i was telling you how uh how many comments i i got on that uh and, and when he started digging into the mental toughness of you know how did you overcome this how did you overcome that and you know having a a bum liver that ha forced me to change my career from a CPA to something else. And I just, I answered the question and he kind of looked at me like, yep. But I, I thought it was just a straightforward answer. And then the feedback I got from people was like, huh, maybe that wasn't as straight. Maybe it's straightforward to me, but maybe not to everyone else. And that was where I just told Dustin, I I've went through my life. I never had a plan B. Oh, I only have a plan A. Yeah. I, I I might have a new tactic or strategy to try accomplish plan A, but if plan A is, you know, to die still married to the same woman, you know, that's that that that's the only option. Yeah. Or what's, what's that, a quote? There's a quote something like, uh, "You can change the strategy, but don't ever change the mission." Something, something like that. Like, yeah. yeah. And so I, I just explained to him that everything in my life, whether it's been business, whether it's been my personal life or, or elk hunting, we talked about how I apply it in elk hunting is if you have a plan B or a plan C, when it really gets tough and it's that hump you have to get over to, to, ha to accomplish plan A, if you have B and C, you're going to take the off ramp before you get to your your final destination of plan a so just don't you know don't give yourself any off ramp <laughs> hey that's that, you know that, this, this is going to be like the uh, point building comment so people are going to take this as so i should just go and 
have one spot e-scouted and just spend my whole hunt right there. And that's, no, that's <laughs> not the plan A, plan B we're talking about here. No. The, the plan A is I'm going to be a successful elk hunter. And there's not right. a plan B of, unless, you know, I'm not. Or the, you quit. The, yeah. The plan A, when you, when you go out and you have an area, that's your plan A. You need to have backup areas, but don't have backup, you know, I, I don't know. In, in whatever you're trying to do, if your goal is to become a successful elk hunter, don't give yourself an out that stops short of being a successful elk hunter. That's, right. that's, those are the plans. Right. That's, and some people, I, I always call it strategy and tactic. So, you know, for me, the plan or the goal is this. And I got multiple strategies and tactics to try to accomplish that. And I'll use yep. whatever one gets me there. But if that's the goal or the plan is to get to that point of whatever I set, I'm not quitting until I get there. Yeah. That, that, and I look at every client I have in the CPA world who's been successful in business. Pretty much every one of them, I've asked them, did you ever think about going this way or quitting or, you know, taking, going back and just saying, oh, I'm going to take my salary job again or whatever. They're like, oh, yeah. But I never gave myself the option. It entered my <laughs> head, but I, that wasn't an option. And so I think a lot of people go through life without a plan B because they don't want to deviate from what the goal is or, yeah. you know, the mission or whatever term you want to put to it. So I was struck by how many people commented on that. I, I guess maybe I, one of the blessings of being born in a little logging town and living in a trailer house as a, you know, as a single mom is, well, <laughs> this is how life is going to be. Yep. You know, no one's going to walk over here and hand me a couple thousand bucks to go do something. <laughs> yep. So you know, we talked about in, in the podcast I did with him, which hopefully I think should be out here soon if it's not out now, but he, you know, he asked similar questions of how'd you grow up and how did that form your mindset? And it was similar for me. I think I made the quote to him that I never, I just never realized quitting was an option. Yeah. Like that was never, that was never laid out as, Hey, here, here's an option. You can go and do this and it's going to be hard and there might be some reward at the end, but if you don't like it, you could quit and try something else. You know, we related it to, to basketball and coaching basketball now with today's youth. There, there's, there's many of them that just don't want to do it because it's not fun or they start it and get halfway through and they think, well, I'm not having fun. So I'm going to quit and find something else. And, you know, that's, that's not how I was brought up. And that's just not how I tick that you start something, you finish it. And yeah, yeah there, there's certain things in life that you just have to realize, you know what, it's, it's time to cut my losses and right. go somewhere else. But when you have a goal and you want to accomplish something, Quitting can't be an option. That's that's the easy way, and it's always going to be easy. And if you look for ways that are going to be easier, quitting's always going to be there. And so you can't you can't go out and find an easy way. You've got to find the best way and make sure that quitting's not not one of those options. Yeah. So it was just interesting to get into the uh, uh, a fitness person like Dustin and his operation at Mountain Tough. How much they focus on mental fitness yeah and uh i've really enjoyed that part of it uh i've started doing my audible books when i'm traveling so much i do a lot of downloads of of uh, audio books and uh i've grabbed a couple of them that are kind of this mental toughness this mindset this 
you know, driven for success or achieving goals and stuff like that. That's, they've, they've been helpful. Yeah. You know, a lot of it, it's like, well, yeah, that's how I got to, <laughs> you know, whatever it is in my life. I just didn't know that, like you said, didn't know quitting was an option. Uh, but there's a lot of things that are, are helpful in, in studying that stuff. And I, it's got me thinking about elk hunting. Uh, it, it, it's really brought that discussion to my elk hunt. When I, now I think about some of the times on elk hunts where I just couldn't solve it or I didn't, didn't get into them the way I'd hoped or the way I'd thought is I can usually think back on that hunt where something discouraged me, where I, I let something cause me to deviate from what the real final goal was. You know, it's like, it's raining today. I'm going to sleep in, you know? Well, guess what? That probably was the day you would have had an encounter. <laughs> right, you, you don't know. know. Right. Uh, you know, there's always these things. Oh, there's already two trucks at the trailhead. I, I don't want to have to make this big loop to go up that other drainage. Well, maybe that maybe those hunters bumped the elk into that other drainage. And so <laughs> it's really caused me to reflect about am I as disciplined in applying that mental fortitude, whatever you want to call it, when I'm out hunting as as I do in other parts of my life? Or are there other parts of my life where I've kind of gotten a little slack in that. And uh, I don't think I have that much, but it surely makes me think about it in the context of elk hunting because it's hard. Yeah. yeah. There's challenges in every aspect of it. And every single day you're going to face those challenges. And if you're not mentally prepared to to stand up to them and push through them, then there's an yeah. easier path. <laughs> and yeah. unfortunately, that easier path is not success. No, and if you people quit emailing me about this comment, I always say if elk hunting was easy, they'd call it golf. <laughs> and people are uh, who are the golfers email us and say, "Hey, I golf a lot, and it's not easy." I know it's not easy, but relative to being consistently successful on public land elk hunting, golf looks like falling asleep on the park bench. <laughs> so, absolutely that, that, that's what i mean by that it doesn't mean that golf isn't difficult but relative to public land elk hunting golf is yeah that's why i say if it was easy they'd call it golf so yep. now and we get another now we get another pile of emails about that i hope my wife my biggest concern is my wife takes up golf then i'm oh, gonna have man. to get to something else you would never be able to give marital advice again. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. But oh, wow. no, you know, I just you, you look at what I've always heard people say. Well, I know plenty of people who are successful elk hunters that don't work out. You don't have to work out mm -hmm. to be a, a good elk hunter, and right. there's truth in that. But yep, I think the benefit that comes from working out is aside from the physical fitness side, the physical conditioning side you're able to push your body. And in doing that, that builds some resilience. It builds some mental toughness. So you, you can exercise mental toughness. And then when you're in a situation where things are hard, you aren't as quick to look for that option out. Yeah. And yeah, I, I read the book, um, The River of Doubt, Theodore Roosevelt. Mm -hmm. And you know he grew up with a lot of hardships. 
And right. his way of dealing with those hardships was to go out and find something harder to immerse himself in to make him stronger. So, yeah. you know, I mean, his, his mom and his first wife passed away on the same day on Valentine's Day. He left for two years and went to the Badlands and, you know, worked cattle and stuff and, and dealt with all the challenges of that. When he lost the last presidential election, that's when he went down to the Amazon and, and decided to go down the Amazon in little wooden canoes and just about died from malaria and exposure and everything else there. And, yeah. you know, I mean, you just look at the reason he was doing that was a probably to escape the pain of, of some of the other disappointments, but B to be stronger the next time a challenge came along to, to yeah. put himself through those challenges to make himself stronger. And there's, you know, I think a couple of recent books, the comfort crisis, uh, Michael Easter wrote that book and mm-hmm. it just talks about, we've become so accustomed to looking for things that bring us comfort for finding the easy way for, you know, efficiency is one thing, but when it becomes, we're doing the efficient thing because it's easier. We aren't, we aren't prepared for when things get hard and things are always going to get hard. You know what? Elk hunting is a perfect example of life, (laughs) of business, of marriage, of whatever. We can relate to that because we've, we love it and it's, it's a part of what we do. But you look at that and think, man, elk hunting prepares me for a lot of things. Or maybe, you know, business prepares me to be a better elk hunter because of these challenges or there's just so much overlap there. Uh, speaking of Mike Leister, he has another book that just came out called The Scarcity Brain. And, oh, uh, really? I, yeah, if you always talk about the the scarcity versus abundance thinkers yeah. and made me think about you. But yeah, there's just, there's so much that we can do to build mental toughness it's not whether you know some people are definitely born with more of it than others but you can develop it it's something that can be exercised and developed and i think it's it's a super important part of of life in general but as an elk hunter if you don't have some mental toughness you're probably not going to be you're probably not going to become that consistently successful elk hunter that you want to be it's going to take some mental toughness well, your your comment about there are a lot of really successful elk hunters who don't work out. They may not physically work out, but I bet you those are some of the mentally toughest people you will find. You'd have to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to go and tackle that mountain every day, not being in shape, that's, a, that's mind over matter every time. Yeah. And so the point of me bringing that up is the mind can overcome a lot. And if you don't have mental toughness and fortitude, it doesn't matter probably if you're in really good shape or if you're that guy who he's not in that good of shape, got a little bit of a beer belly and doesn't work out, but he kills his elk every year. Well, that guy's going to, because he's mentally tough, there's a reason he kills more elk than the gym rat who doesn't have the mental toughness when he gets frustrated, when conditions maybe aren't perfect or there's competition or whatever, that guy without the mental toughness is going to pack it up and head home. Yeah. And I, I think the point of that uh, illustration, and we all know that person who is just a, a predator, right? That you look at him, you're like, man, I can't believe this guy's up here doing this. <laughs> he's, you know, he's just like, man, I got to get in better shape next year. But he shows up with an elk every year. So uh, that person has that level of mental toughness that makes him or her successful. 
and they probably didn't develop it by working out or by elk hunting. They've had some <laughs> other challenge that yeah. developed their mental toughness that coincidentally enables them yeah. to be a better elk hunter without putting themselves through the rigors of physical fitness. Yeah. Well, I I just want people to think about that, that I, I always say that elk hunting is probably one of those life activities that give you more skills, more transferable, just, uh, I guess you call them habits or, or, you know, tendencies than any hunting I can think of. And that's why I, it still fascinates me today. Uh, you know, maybe I only have very few outcomes left. None of us know, but I'm thankful for every one of them. And I don't want to quit on one of them just because whatever. So if you yeah. ever hear me quit, Corey, fire me. <laughs> you got that. So, yeah, but what no, else we the, got in our Well, email? I was just going to wow. say to, to, to tail onto that, there was a recent study that came out that said the county that I live in in Idaho is the healthiest county in the state. And in the top, oh. I don't know, not top 10 or anything, but very high up in uh, healthy counties in the nation. And one of the things they said was we have, it, it's small enough community. We don't have fast food. So we don't have the option of, of eating fast food, but we're surrounded by mountains and outdoor activities. And I think they said that the average lifespan of a person in this county is seven or eight years greater than the national average of lifespan. Wow. And you just, you know, you don't wow. realize, but you mentioned, you know, elk hunting being something that's going to provide benefit to to your life uh, in, in all aspects. But the just being in the outdoors and the, the reset and the recharge we get from that, the physical demands of being in the outdoors and then obviously being able to provide healthy food through, uh, through killing animals and procuring yeah. our own food source. There's uh, there's health benefits that make health or make your lifestyle uh, more enjoyable and extend it. Yeah, and that's where I think I. This, so if you go to Shot Show in Vegas, you get to do a lot of people watching. Uh, Vegas is, in itself is a really good spot for people watching, <laughs> uh, but the Shot Show at Vegas might even be a better subset of people watching. And you know, now that I've had to really reflect about how father time and uh, uh, some injuries and just some other things have affected what some might say my quality of life. I still have an unbelievable quality of life that I'm not complaining about. But I'm now I, I look at myself and I look at others like, okay, maybe this person will live to be 85. Maybe somehow being 80 pounds overweight uh, drinking for, you know, whatever caramel mocha root beer floats from Starbucks every morning and, you know, eight donuts and whatever else, maybe somehow they make it to 85. But their quality of life from about age 50 because of how, how unfit they are. Yeah. That's not that that you get closer to one of my uncles who passed away said, don't confuse breathing with living. Yeah. In other words, just breathing and being here isn't living. And so I don't want to, and this is part of what motivates me is 
I want a quality of life during whatever years I have. And that yeah. means I got to be able to go and do some pretty darn exerting things. So I, I'm not just here to, you know, punch my ticket to the last breath. Yeah, I made it to age 96, but yeah, the last I, 15 I, years I sat in my chair and did nothing. Yeah, I, you know, I... I watch Oprah reruns every day or something. <laughs> you know, that's that, that's not what I aspire to. So th this whole idea of fitness and eating better, I'm not. It's it's not that hard for me. It it takes me about forty five minutes each day. But by the time I stretch and do a warm up and and do the thing, uh, if I can't invest forty five minutes in my future health and my future of hunting. Then I feel like I got my priorities a little mixed up. Yeah. The other part of it is they have a nutritionist and, <clears throat> and dietitian named Kyle, who I got a almost a one-on-one -on -one session with him because we did a podcast together. There were just little things he talked to me about of the timing of when I eat that was way more important than what I was eating. Yeah. And just all kinds of little things that. I feel are making a difference. Now watch, I'll I'll do all this, and next elk season I'll tip over out there. And, <laughs> you know, go we to, never know. They'll they'll bury me in Boot Hill the second day of elk season or something. <laughs> but no, I just it's only been what let's see seven weeks now, but I just feel a lot better. Yeah, and I I hope everybody, if for no other reason than your health and the quality of life you can have with your family. I hope you think about what what you're doing towards that, what kind of investment you're making in it, whether you elk hunt or don't elk hunt. Uh, I, I feel the benefits of it. And I, I know once you get to be, I'm, I, I'm way closer to 60 than I am 55, Corey. I'm only nine months away from 60. Uh, <laughs> You, you gotta you just gotta think about this stuff yeah. i don't i don't want to dwell on it and harp on it but i think it's good for the mind also well it's like invest yourself in habits yeah it's like an investment you know the the longer you wait the less you're going to get out of that investment so yeah. don't wait till you're almost 60 to to start doing it start doing yeah. it now and when you're almost 60 you'll gain the benefits from having started so much earlier yeah how's destination elk going out there on youtube it's good. It's so good to get to the point where it's done and able to be released. <laughs> and it's, there's just, it's so much work. There's just all the yeah. little things. I mean, just filming and editing and, you know, watching the videos and putting the subtitles in, all of that. That's, that's the normal part of it. But then just the promotion of it and all the, you have to write descriptions for all the YouTube videos and just those little things that take up so much time that, when it finally gets released, it's a huge sigh of relief and it's almost anticlimactic to actually launch it because there's been so much work going into it, but it's good. Uh, the, the comments have been super positive again and it's, yeah. uh, we, we didn't do the team platform this year. It's just Donnie and I and all the hunts we got to go on and following us around. So we're, uh, by the time this podcast drops, we'll have uh, just wrapped up our New Mexico hunt with Donnie, and then uh, we'll be hunting Idaho. So hmm. it's going good. We've got uh, a lot of good stuff still to come. Yeah. So where do they see that? The Elk 101 YouTube channel? 
Yep, Elk One on YouTube every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. A new episode's released, and I think uh, we've got 15 episodes, so the last one's going to be March 12th, I believe, is the, the last episode. And if people don't want to wait to have to see each episode, Randy has generously provided a little space for us over on fresh tracks tv and people can go there and we have all 15 episodes loaded there so for a nominal fee of what is it 11 dollars or something they can uh, get access to all 15 episodes right there and it's it's not through your normal fresh tracks plus membership there's a standalone destination elk v6 uh, option that you can purchase those and you know, for somebody that doesn't want to wait or, you know, just wants to, if they travel a lot and on an airplane and want to download it and stream the videos, they can, they can do yeah. that and have access to all 15 videos at once rather than waiting. Yeah. You can download the whole season on your phone. So when you're reined in in a tent up in Alaska on your elk hunt <laughs> this year or wherever you're reined in, you could watch Destination Elk on your phone. Yeah. So. And we got a lot of people last year that just said, oh, this wait is killing me. Why do we have to wait? The wait from Thursday to Tuesday is five days, and we have to wait for the next episode. And we don't know what's going to happen. So we gave them that option, and, you know, it's certainly yeah. – Randy was very generous to, to allow us that because that platform yeah. is not cheap to maintain and to put content yeah. on. And so to be able to Happy offer to it for a, for a small price there is – Hopefully it's the best of both worlds for everybody. Those that want to watch it now can and won't cost too much. And those that just want to wait and wait it out, that's, uh, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm both ways. I, I love the series alone. And when that comes out, it comes out, you know, it's all available to watch at once. And it's really hard to pace myself. Sometimes I could sit and watch it all and then realize I just wasted 24 straight hours here, but it's, uh, so I, I I can see it from both sides. I uh, I like to be able to have it to watch at my own schedule, but I also don't like to just go through it all in one sitting. So, yeah. Well, I'm glad it's going well. I know how much work you put into that, Corey. It's it is a crazy amount of work that you and Donnie and John and everybody put into it. It's <laughs> it, it's a lot of work it's it's not just going out hunting and carrying a video camera and sharing it it's there's a lot no. that goes into it and this year the, the next series destination elk v7 which we'll start filming in september this year is going to be even more work but i think uh, we've got a we've got a pretty cool idea that i think viewers are really going to like cool yeah wow don't email me and ask what it is, folks, because Corey's he's like Fort Knox, man. You can't get a secret out of that guy. So <laughs> uh, I I don't even know what it is. But uh, anyhow, uh, better let you go and either work out, go coach basketball or something. Oh, speaking of basketball, in my coaching theory at the Sheep Show in Reno, some guy walks up to me. He's like, "I love your theory about basketball." <laughs> I'm like, wait, 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 what, what, what are you talking about? He's like, when I played basketball, I didn't leave any fouls on the floor either. He's like, I'm like all right, now I yep. know what he's talking about. My so. son Sam last night in the game, fourth quarter, and we're getting ready to put the, the non-starters in, and he keeps looking over at the bench at me and giving me the, the one finger up in the air, you know, holding one finger up like, yeah. give me yeah. one one more. I'm like, one more possession, one more 
shot? What are, what are we looking for? So I left him in a couple more possessions and finally took him out. And he's like, I told you one more. And I'm like, one more what? And he's like, I have four fouls. I have one more. I wanted to get my fifth foul in. So, I'm like, well, that's, uh, that's the there you go. Line, I guess. Yeah. Sam's the guy. He's, he's yeah. my kind of basketball player, but. <laughs> Yeah, appreciate you doing that for those kids. You know, so many of our listeners volunteer for community stuff and the sports or whatever it might be, under education. And that's really what makes a community and makes this country is the amount of volunteering and how much we care about those kind of things. So thanks for doing it, Corey. Yeah. yeah. No, and it's something I didn't realize how much time it took. You know, when I played high school and even college basketball. It wasn't It wasn't as involved as high school basketball is now it's we're watching film for hours and then editing film and taking it to practice and showing the players and then going out and implementing what we watched on film and then getting on a bus and where we live yesterday was our closest conference travel game and it's two hours and 20 minutes one way on a bus and that's our closest conference game so we've got a lot of time spent on buses and it's uh there's a lot goes into it but it's fun to see. This is my, I think, seventh season coaching high mm. school. And it's it's fun to see the program growth, you know, from yeah. where you start to where it is. And it's just, it's exciting seeing the, the younger generations coming up and realizing, hey, we've got an expectation here of, of winning. And it's not just, yeah, it's fun. We want it to be fun, but we're here to, to make you better basketball players and hopefully better people. And it's, yeah. uh, we're, 15 and one right now and have three more regular season games and then the Dang. tournament starts. So yeah, it's exciting season, man. 15 and one. Yeah. That's, a, that's knocking it out of the park. And that's uh we've, we've really not had close games. So they're, uh, mm. they're, they're doing good and staying focused. And if we can stay healthy, we're starting to see a few people get the, the Shanghai chicken flu or whatever they're yeah. <laughs> getting wherever it's coming from. But schools are the, the Petri dishes of passing that around and yeah. we're starting to see it. And hopefully it doesn't hit us right about tournament time. Yeah. Hope not. Well, you go do that. I'm going to go home and get my bags back. So my wife can drive me to the airport and laugh at all my marriage advice. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't wait to hear the, uh, the uh, conversation about you calling her out on why she wanted yeah. to buy her own Christmas present. Yeah. I, I know it's going to happen someday, Corey. You're going to call Kim and say, Hey Kim, why don't you and I do an episode of Talk Podcast? <laughs> No, the last thing the last thing we would want is Jennifer and Kim getting on the podcast and sharing yeah. actual marriage advice. And yeah. people would quit listening to us on everything. Like, well, if they make everything up on marital advice, what are they making up on elk hunting advice? <laughs> oh, that's what my wife says. That's Kim is like, so are you an expert on everything? no i'm more of an expert on marriage than i am on elk hunting and and then she really laughs out loud we have we have a thing at our house that's called the laugh out loud test in other words if you say something and the person laughs out loud you didn't pass the laugh out loud test and it's bs or it's so far out in the weeds that just give (laughs) it's it's kind of like just give up on that okay I, I can't even hear it without laughing out loud. So uh, a lot of my stuff at home doesn't even pass the laugh out loud test. Yeah. 
<laughs> but that's why we love them so much. Exactly. They, they they know what they got, and they're they're like, well, I guess this is what I got to deal with. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Corey, you have a great day. We'll, you too. Uh, Good luck we'll get with the shows. Fun. Yeah, well, I'll send this off to Joe, our editor, who he's got his hands full all the time with Corey and I, and he does a great job. So we'll get it turned around, and I want to get it up before the Arizona deadline, though. Yep. So, all right. Have a great day. You too. Thanks, guys.